Hello and welcome to the Road to Chair series brought to you by the Association of Academic Physiatrists. My name is Armando Alvarez, a PGY3 at the University of Miami and Jackson Health System. I am honored to interview our chair, Dr. David Gator. We had this interview back in November at the height of the COVID pandemic while we were transitioning into a brand new building. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen. And without further delay, our chair, Dr. David Gator. Today I present to you Dr. Gator, the chair at the University of Miami for Physical Medicine Rehabilitation. Dr. Gator is the Professor and Chair of Physical Medicine and Rehab here at the University of Miami, as well as the Spinal Cord Injury Fellowship Director and the Chief Medical Officer of Rehabilitation at Jackson Memorial Hospital. He is currently President of the American Paraplegia Society, President-Elect of the Academy of Spinal Cord Injury Professionals, and has published more than 100 manuscripts in peer-reviewed journals. I'm very pleased to welcome Dr. Gator. Tell me a little, bit, a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the uh, deserts in Arizona, halfway between Tucson and San Diego. Tell me a little bit uh, about your upbringing. Um, what led you to PM&R? What, what makes Dr. Gator tick? Yeah, so I was, um, I was the first uh, in either side of my family to go to college. Um, my um, motivation for that uh, came from my father, who made sure that I had lots of manual labor opportunities uh, in the deserts in Arizona so that I uh, could experience and, and, and hunger for an education um, so that I wouldn't be doing manual labor for the rest of my life, which I enjoyed doing manual labor, but I, I think that there were probably better options for me. So um, yeah, things like di digging ditches, septic tank holes by hand. I was a plumber's apprentice, truck driver, forklift operator. Um, worked in the cotton fields, uh, chopping cotton. Uh, so I really experienced a lot of heat, uh, literally, in the deserts. And um, was absolutely uh, amazed that I could be paid to sit in an air-conditioned room and learn all day long. And so... Uh, when I had opportunities to take scholarships, I, I jumped at that, uh, that chance. It seems like the heat in Arizona, um, it would be a little unbearable to be, to be outside, going from he dry heat to humid heat here in, uh, in Miami. What, uh, what led you to medicine? Uh, it seems like you have a kind of reviewing your CV, very extensive career. Um, what led you to medicine where... Um, kind of brought you to where you are today? Yeah, um, as, uh, as I was going through uh, high school, I participated in uh, numerous sports um, and had hoped to be a scholarship athlete. Uh, had a terrible triad injury to my knee pole vaulting and um, uh, subsequently had to change plans, went through a couple of knee surgeries um, and uh, wasn't able to get back to, um, to where I had been before. Um, that <clears throat> made me uh, start to switch gears from thinking I wanted to go into veterinary medicine um, in, into people medicine. Um, and uh, so as I went through uh, my academic uh, parade at University of Arizona, I finished a um, bachelor's degree in general biology and uh, was fortunate to get into a master's program in exercise and sports sciences. Uh, which at the time was it was just exceptional the the um, number of, of fathers in in the field of exercise physiology who were teaching there at the time was, was incredible 
And so I had some great uh, opportunities. Um, and one of those opportunities was doing cardiac rehabilitation. Um, I had an amazing cardiac rehab nurse who worked with me um, and, uh, and we worked really well together. It was so um, inspiring to see people who had had a catastrophic event, almost a life-taking event, um, how motivated they were to make changes in, uh, in their diet, in their exercise, in their, their entire lifestyle. Um, and, and it dawned on me that if I was going to go into medicine, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great if I could get into an area that, that I would see that type of a patient all the time? And, and as I was, uh, you know, wa waxing sentimental one day, she said, well, you know, there is an area of medicine called physical medicine and rehabilitation, <clears throat> PM&R. And I said, PM and what? PM&R. Um, and so I went to the library, which we did back in the day. We didn't have the Internet. And... Um, literally went through the, the card catalog, found some, some books and, and brochures about physical medicine and rehabilitation and, um, and sent letters and got responses. Uh, was very fortunate to be able to get an acting internship um, at uh, UC Davis in Sacramento and um, even more fortunate to be selected as a resident there after doing my internship in Arizona. Um, the, uh, the field of rehabilitation, however, uh, was, was still just barely coming to mind um, as I would uh, go from one patient to the next with a different diagnosis. And I was um, astounded by the variety of uh, patients, diagnoses uh, that we managed. Um, and it, and it was just, it was a great uh, opportunity to, to learn, to, to acquire clinical skills. And you have your MD, you have your PhD. Why the two? Why did you think that that was the best uh, option? Or did it, was it innate? Hey, I want to do the MD-PhD. <clears throat> yeah, this is going to sound strange, but I had so much fun in my master's program in exercise physiology. And considering um, the perturbation of, of exercise as a disease state um, was uh, probably al also prompting me towards uh, an academic career and particularly um, I was interested in physiological foundations of uh, you know clinical responses so to to be able to have the background in physiology to understand how things worked um, and to be able to put that uh, foundation in line with uh, clinical aptitude, I thought was going to be, you know, a great way to do this. Um, I I thought about it at the time. I didn't um, I didn't uh, realize just how academic my career would become, um, but um, enjoyed the process of, uh, of of research and research methodology and trying to find answers to difficult questions. You had mentioned that you didn't picture yourself initially as somebody who's going to be in academics. Um, when did that transition happen? When did you say, you know, I think academics is, is my wheelhouse. This is kind of where I want to stay. Yeah, uh, I, I think going through the process of my master's, my PhD, and the, and the medical degree, um, I, um, again, uh, didn't have access to internet, Google, 
much less PubMed and, and Web of Science as we do now. Um, and so it was a lot of work trying to, um, to, to find answers to questions. I won't say that research was harder then. Um, it was just different. Um, nonetheless, um, as uh, I was going through that process and even during uh, residency, I really did want to focus on uh, clinical skill acquisition. Um, and yet, I had a ton of questions that would come up almost daily. Um, and uh, starting to write those questions down and then realizing, I mean, I could put together an experiment that would answer this question. Um, and having, um, you know, mentors at the time who would encourage that type of thought uh, and activity, um, I think really prompted me um, as, as I went through my career. As I finished up residency and took my first job at the University of Kentucky in uh, Lexington, um, I was actually brought on to help grow the, the research arm of the department there. Um, and the chair, Richard Salcedo, uh, brought me in and, and um, mentored me through the first couple of years um, and introduced me to, uh, to folks who would help me put together career development uh, awards, uh, research awards with NIH as well as uh, the, the VA uh, hospital. Um, and, and I was hooked. Um, I just, uh, I loved the aspects of things, although it was, it was challenging. And, you know, there were a lot of 90 and 100 hour work weeks um, because even back then and, and, and now, um, it's just difficult to get all of your clinical work done and then, and then uh, to focus on uh, research and education. That, that's just been the nature of the beast at least as, as long as I've been in academia, patients come first. And I feel like that's a catch-22 of being innately curious about, innately curious and loving what you do, where it's just a never-ending question, a question's never-ending pursuit of, of knowledge. So you're now the chair here at the University of Miami for, for PM&R. Tell me a little bit about the transition um, in becoming chair, because I think you're a unique case in the sense of you came into... Uh, a chair position into a new building with one of the largest pandemics and having to transition and lead a department. Tell me a little bit about that process, um, what maybe what led you to come to Miami and then how that process has has developed. Yes, so, so the process was a bit of a surprise. Um, I had known uh, about Miami for many years uh, because of the Miami Project to Cure Paralysis and the uh, Mark uh, Bonacotti Foundation. Um, what I didn't know about, at least 20, 30 years ago, was uh, the Department of PM&R. Oh, because it wasn't, it wasn't in play at the time. Um, and so I continued to watch what was happening in Miami, recognizing that there was tremendous uh, science and a tremendous literature base coming out of Miami with regard to spinal cord injury uh, medicine um, and, and aspects uh, that uh, were to promote cure as well as care. Um, and then at some point, um, about 15 years ago or so, um, I know that the, uh, the department, at least the conception of the department, came about and ultimately um, they had um, uh, started a small program that grew and grew and included residents and um, and yet, the facilities that I had seen some time ago 
we're, we're still somewhat, and I hate to say it, but antiquated. Um, and, and yet, the powers that be uh, at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine, Jackson Health, recognized the potential um, for physical medicine and rehabilitation here. Um, and with other prompting and um, some uh, amazing um, uh, development uh, opportunities, particularly Christine E. Lynn, um, they uh, were able to put together the plans to build the Christine E. Lynn Rehabilitation Center for the Miami Project to Cure Paralysis, in which, now here's a dream come true, in which they would actually bring the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation and the Miami Project to Cure Paralysis together in a, uh, a county facility, the, the Lynn Rehabilitation Center, part of the Jackson um, Health System, um, and have clinical care for inpatient, outpatient, and clinical research all in the same facility. So, so as I saw that and I thought about how we could pull this all together, it just seemed like it was tremendous opportunity. There was also going to be the opportunity to expand the residency training program uh, as well as fellowships. And so, uh, so I came on board hot to trot, ready to go. Um, with our plans and the, uh, the ground uh, was broken for the Lynn Rehab Center before I arrived um, and it actually moved very, very quickly uh, in, in building the facility um, such that, oh, then there was the COVID pandemic that hit um, late February, early March and uh, the facility, it was decided we'd be opened early. Um, and so um, in mid-March, we moved all of our patients from the old facilities uh, to the new uh, rehab center and basically moved to maximize the uh, census um, almost within weeks um, so that we went from an average census, I think that was around 50, um, to 66, 68, and oftentimes we had all 72 um, beds filled um, over the next several months. The old facility was to have been demolished, uh, but instead uh, was retained uh, with the understanding that we might need those beds for COVID patients. And so um, we've kind of straddled uh, the fence uh, in between these. Meanwhile, uh, just uh, you know, the expansion of the residency training program, getting our research labs up and running, and yet um, held uh, with the brakes on because of COVID and the fact that clinical research has kind of come to a crawl across the nation, across the world, and yes, even in the Lynn Rehab Center until such time as we can demonstrate um, procedures that will keep everybody completely safe and uh, viral free. And that, and that was, you touched on such an unbelievable point, uh, especially being a resident here at Miami. I was a PGY2 at the time. We were always under the understanding that we were going to move into the new building. As I turned into a PGY3, the new PGY2s were coming in. We were getting eight new residents, expanding, expanding the residency, and we're moved three months earlier um, given the pandemic. And that transition, um, although hectic and chaotic, relatively smooth um, given all of the circumstances. Pioneering that must have not been easy. 
it's difficult again because this was a surprise um, we um, recognized the need um, and we tried to put into place um, wellness uh, opportunities for faculty as well as the residents um, you know the, the residents were also caught in a situation where they weren't allowed to see uh, actively COVID patients at the time and so that was somewhat limiting in terms of their ability to do uh, interventional procedures to uh, facilitate consults um, so it, it was a very very challenging time um, I think that uh, so many people came together to uh, allow us to be successful and frankly I was um, constantly in touch with other chairs from across the country who were undergoing similar um, strategies undergoing similar challenges um, and some similar opportunities um, so uh, fortunately uh, we didn't do this in a silo um, and we had a lot of uh, feedback and feed forward in terms of how to make this work. We figured it out how to do virtual medicine um, and, and we're still figuring it out. But, um, you know, if you had told me uh, a year ago or even six months ago that, that our world would have changed and we would be doing uh, teleconsultations, um, you know, on a daily, if not hourly basis, uh, that we would be doing virtual conferences. Um, <clears throat> What without face-to-face? -face, oh, well, well, it is face-to-face -face encounters, but it's not physical presence. Um, I I would have um, laughed and and said, well, yes, we'll get there eventually. And I think that's that's one thing that um, you know all of the bad things associated with the COVID pandemic aside, um, it really has pushed us to learn how to do better with what we have, how to manage patients, help patients, coach patients, and each other virtually. Um, so hasn't been easy. Uh, it's been challenging almost daily uh, and at times, um, yes, fatiguing, but um, it's also given us an opportunity to really see the best in people, to see how, um, how well people can do and what great ideas they have. Um, you know, again, uh, just just appreciating the the tech savviness of our medical students and residents uh, that has been very very helpful to me, as I continue to learn how to try to put all the pieces together in a new world. It's absolutely a new world, a new a new type of leadership, a new type of medicine that we are on a day to day uh, on a day to day trying to uh, evolve. Um, did you always see yourself in leadership? Did you always see yourself uh, in either a program director position, in a chair position? Is that something that you've always wanted to do? Or is this something that you would say you've been groomed, you've kind of been uh, able to develop throughout the years? Yeah, I would say that I resisted uh, certain aspects um, early on. I thought I was going to do research and, and uh, clinical research, and that would kind of be my... Um, you know my niche. I had some wonderful mentors um, at uh, at Kentucky, and I had the opportunity to do some. Um, I started a consult service there, started an electrodiagnostic laboratory at the VA, and a spinal cord injury outpatient clinic. Um, had uh, opportunities to assist with the education program, um, and found that I really enjoyed that as well. So I, I expanded uh, my horizons a little bit. Um, was recruited to the University of Michigan and uh, the uh, 
the Michigan um, uh, Spinal Cord Injury Model Systems Program, where, again, I got to work with some great people but had more administrative uh, tasks uh, associated with that position. Um, but still growing uh, educational programs, was able to start a spinal cord injury fellowship program there um, and really enjoyed uh, participation both with education as well as uh, research. Um, not so much administrative responsibilities. Um, and then I was uh, invited to go to Richmond, Virginia um, as chief of the uh, Richmond VA Spinal Cord Injury Center. Uh, which was the largest of the uh, VA spinal cord injury centers in the nation. Um, and uh, again, had a bridge between VA and uh, VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University. Great mentorship uh, provided there uh, and coaching in terms of how to, how to lead uh, a program and, and was given opportunities to grow the uh, medical student and resident rotations through the spinal cord injury service at the time to start up a research laboratory and recruit uh, researchers and clinical spinal cord injury folks to resurrect a spinal cord injury fellowship program there um, and then um, unexpectedly was recruited to Penn State uh, to start a new program in PM&R um, not realizing at the time just how many hats I would be wearing as I started there but um, Again, reaching out to chairs across the country and folks who mentored me there um, to become chair, residency program director, to uh, start the research program, and then to uh, get the spinal cord injury fellowship and brain injury fellowships off the ground. Uh, that was all a, a lot of experience. Um, so, in some ways, it was it was. Uh, I was able to take a breath of relief when I came to Miami um, and not quite have so many of those responsibilities, but those responsibilities uh, transition into other types of uh, responsibilities and the administrative uh, role of chair and CMO in a uh, coordinated health system um, has been pretty challenging as well. I can imagine all of that and then sprinkle in some COVID and uh, that, that makes the job a little bit more difficult. Well, and then they said, it's hurricane season. And, and I said, what? Um, so that was another thing that um, I, I don't know that I had been particularly prepared for, although while I was chief at um, the chief of the spinal cord injury service at the Richmond VA, there were three times when we had to evacuate the Hampton VA spinal cord injury service to the Richmond VA and our census on the spinal cord injury service grew from 60 to 100 spinal cord injury patients, including those on ventilators and whatnot. So, so I'd had had some experiences, but um, I think that we've exceeded the number. This might be the world's record for the number of storms that we've had come through the uh, the Atlantic this year. Um, so. 2020 has taken no prisoners, and we are recording this in November, and there is, we just passed a hurricane, um, a hurricane in November, plus COVID. Um, it has been a tough time, but it's been manageable. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely been manageable. So when they said, let's storm the castle, I didn't understand exactly what they were talking about. But... <laughs> yes. um, if you were to touch on, uh, you touched on the Miami Project to Cure Paralysis. Obviously, the, this, this project can go on, you know, two, three-hour lectures on what it actually does. If you can touch on what the Miami uh, Project to Cure Paralysis is 
and where do you envision it in the future um, marrying with, with PM&R? Yeah, so I, I would say that this, uh, this was the world's epicenter of spinal cord injury research um, at its inception uh, 25, 30 years ago. Um, and it included um, a quest for a cure, as well as an understanding of the need to care for folks with spinal cord injury. Um, they have had some of the most tremendous uh, basic science researchers here in the world, as well as the translational researchers and the clinical uh, researchers, um, including um, you know folks uh, from uh, engineering and um, I'll say yes, PM and R, but exercise physiology um, and uh, electrophysiology. There are just so many aspects uh, that the Miami uh, project has has looked at over the years. I think um, you know the really exciting aspect of them being in the same building with us now, having the clinical researchers here. Um, and uh, protocols that allow for, yes, regeneration and cure of spinal cord injury as well as care issues. Um, you know, exercise, uh, arm exercise, uh, functional electrical stimulation, leg cycle ergometry, um, locomotor training, um, all of those aspects of research coming together in a facility where we have some of the greatest clinicians in the world as well. The, the physicians, uh, my colleagues, um, I, I just can't say enough about uh, how well they work and, and what they do for their patients, but as well the therapists, the PTs, OTs, speech therapists, the recreational therapists, respiratory therapists, the uh, psychologists and social workers, uh, the nurses um, are just outstanding, many of whom have had more than 20 years experience um, and many of whom have had that experience here because they are so dedicated to, to Miami and um, managing patients who, who have need of their services. It's, it's an outstanding opportunity to pull together research, uh, clinical care, community reintegration um, with just amazing individuals. And I think we are in such a unique position being in Miami um, we treat a unique patient population, very diverse, um, and you know, being able to marry the Miami Project with PM&R and all the world-renowned um, specialties, an unbelievable opportunity that I think Miami has. What, what advice would you have for someone who is interested in getting into leadership um, and says, you know, I want to be a chair someday? What advice would you have for that, uh, whether it be a resident, a young faculty member, um, somebody who's listening to this podcast that wants to get into a leadership position? Yeah, I would say, uh, depending upon your interests, um, seek out a mentor. Um, no, let me take that back. Seek out mentors um, because uh, there's going to be different people that can provide um, different advice and who have had different life experiences that will help to mold you into the types of things that you'd like to do. I think that um, certainly within the department uh, where you currently reside, but as well um, across the institution, there may be uh, worthy mentors um, who uh, share some of the interests that you have. Um, within the field, there are tremendous opportunities with the 
um, AAP and the AAP MNR, uh, the mentorship programs that start for medical students um, and residents, uh, but as well for junior faculty, um, I think are, are exceptional. Um, there, I, I think having uh, mentors with different aspects uh, and different perspectives are important. Um, I think that uh, it's, uh, it's so helpful to have folks at a senior level, but as well at a mid-career or a junior level being able to coach you and uh, share their experiences and their dreams um, and to um, challenge you in terms of what are the skill sets that you need, not just your clinical acumen, but um, emotional intelligence. Uh, what, um, what are the best ways to communicate with different types of individuals? Um, you've got uh, what they call the C-suite, uh, which uh, generally has to do with the administrators of the College of Medicine and or your hospital system. Um, and as well, I think it's important that we remain humble and, and, and reach out to the folks that are helping to empty our trash and, and, and clean the facilities around us. Um, recognizing, and again, this is just my background because that's where I grew up. Um, <clears throat> there, but for the grace of God, uh, go I. And uh, recognize that um, everybody is valued. And, um, and I think finding mentors who have that, uh, that ability to recognize those values within you and to grow those values and to introduce you to others. Um, so the networking is the other aspect of mentorship that is very, very important. Whether you're gonna go into private practice or academia, um, to be able to, to reach across the aisle and meet different people uh, with different backgrounds is, is gonna be important for your success. Very interesting that you bring that up. Uh, on this podcast, uh, they had Dr. Kennedy, who also echoed very similar sentiments. Uh, mentorship, if you're planning in, in, to get into a leadership position, uh, the mentorship that you get um, is invaluable, and especially getting different perspectives, uh, mentors that challenge you, but also meet you where you are um, and, uh, and nurture you into where you want to get to is very important. And my last question to you, being a chair, everybody sees you at the top. You're, you're the, uh, the highest position that we have here. But you're also human. You go through difficulties. You go through life events that sometimes people don't know about. Um, how do you keep it all together mentally? How do you, you know, behind closed doors, what keeps you sane and energized to come into work every day and, and get you going? Yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate in having a wife that is just amazing. Um, and, um, and a family that's been supportive uh, through, through all of the changes over the years. Um, my, my faith uh, is a very important part of uh, staying healthy, um, and I think that uh, just being able to recognize that uh, this is not on my strength, uh, but on his strength, um, that I'm able to grow and to help others. Um, I think... Uh, Trying to, uh, to eat right and to exercise is challenging as you become more and more limited with, with time. Um, a little bit of oregano, just a touch of salt can be helpful sometimes, but, but time um, is one of those things you have to carve out. Uh, 
and um, and do things that you're going to enjoy, um, do things that are going to keep you healthy uh, as well. So during COVID, and you can be quiet, but um, <clears throat> our, our particular facility, we live in a condo now, and they shut down the gym. Uh, the facilities um, at, at the university were also somewhat limited, social distancing and whatnot. Um, and, um, and I found that nobody was using the stairs. There's a stairwell in our building, uh, <clears throat> 31 flights, um, that is completely unoccupied, um, at least 23 hours a day. And so um, just doing stair climbing uh, has been able to uh, facilitate my, my health, I hope, um, and, um, and yet not having to, my, my wife is right, well, she doesn't do it with me, but she does her own uh, exercise uh, at the same time. I think um, the other thing is, uh, you know, staying in touch uh, with family and close friends in the midst of all of this um, is challenging. And I think, uh, you know, you'll only have, if you're fortunate, uh, a handful of friends that you will stay in touch with throughout your life. Um, and uh, those are the folks that you need to be able to continue to hold you accountable but that you can also go to uh, when you are struggling with things. Um, and, um, and if they share a similar faith, that's especially nice, but sometimes they don't, and that's, that's okay too. It's those lifetime relationships that help sustain you, um, as, you as you go through things. So, um, yeah, you, I'm sure that you've had other people tell you this as well, but at the end of your life, <clears throat> um, it won't be the papers that you wrote. It won't be the patients that you saw, although it might in some cases, um, and, um, and the accolades that you received, it will be the relationships that you had and sustained throughout your lifetime that, uh, that will tell you whether or not you were successful. What a great way to end. Um, I think it's so important to recognize, especially in the time that we're in, that whether you are starting off as a PGY1 or a medical student or somebody who's trying to get into medical school um, or a chair, we're all human. We're all trying to figure this out together um, and trying to be a community as best as possible. Um, that even at the highest positions, you struggle. And being able to keep it together mentally and finding those avenues are kind of universal. Community for everyone is very important. Um, so. Dr. Gator, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Carving out uh, even 30 minutes for the chair is not, it puts you back, but I really appreciate it. Well, I'm excited. I hope this will be helpful for folks. Um, you know, I'd like to think that it inspired somebody, even just one person, <clears throat> then that would be worth it. Awesome. Thank you very much.